I'm Peter Martin. And I'm Adam Manis. Welcome to the You'll Hear It podcast. What's going on, everybody? Today, we're going to give you seven secrets to playing fast. Now, am I overselling this by saying there's secrets, Adam? Oh, no. You are going to be able to play lightning fast after you learn these very secret ideas that we've been keeping from you this whole time. Right. But now we've had a certain bout of generosity that has just flowed over us. So here you go. (laughs) Let's jump right in. Number one, and this one, I know sometimes we bury the lead until the end, but this one I think is the most important one for playing fast, and that is to relax. So this means relax your body, relax your mind, and breathe. I mean, relaxing and breathing have to go together, right? You can't relax if you're not breathing. Uh, if you're not breathing, you can't even live. As it's, so That's it's right. even more important for that. But really, I mean, you know, it's so easy to get involved with thinking about, oh, I've got to play these changes. I've got to get my technical dexterity to this level. I've got to get my time. Okay, all those things are important, and we're going to get into that. But none of those are going to matter if you're not getting in the habit of just relaxing and breathing. So for every instrument, you, there's different ways to think about this. And you know, if you play an instrument where you actually have to breathe, the trumpet, the flute, you know, the saxophone, vocals, like where it has to be a part of your process for phrasing, just be glad that you have an advantage that like your instrument's forcing you to breathe. Absolutely. But pianists, bass players, drummers, it's so important. I mean, some of the great drummers that I play with, you know, Greg Hutchinson, Eric Harlan, Brian Blade, I mean, I look over at them when we're playing fast, and um, they are so relaxed and they're breathing. I mean, not just breathing for life, but I mean, they are breathing with the phrases and they, they pay even more attention to that the faster they go. So, you know, it's something to think about, especially when you're practicing slow, practicing medium, that really getting into a good habit, even when you don't have to breathe and relax, to get into those good habits so that once you start raising the speed, you're already in that sort of habit of breathing. Yeah, how many uh, beginner to intermediate players, especially on piano, bass, guitar, drums, instruments, like you said, that you don't have to breathe, do you see where, where they're just not breathing at all, they're tense up, and, and like you said, with those great drummers, you know, Greg Hutchison is, I mean, he could be just reading a magazine as he's up there, you know, at 350, 360 or whatever, yep. but, and, and that's not a chicken egg situation, it's not that he's so good that he just doesn't have to try, it's that he sounds so good because he's so relaxed, right. think about it like that, it's... It's impressive because he's so relaxed. Well, I've actually seen him reading a magazine while playing very fast. That that was even more impressive. (laughs) What up, Hutch? (laughs) All right, so number two is to practice slow. Um, So in this this example, we're going to use the analogy of a marathon. You don't have to run a marathon before the day of the race to actually race a marathon, right? So the idea is um, you don't have to blaze every practice routine before you get on the gig uh, to be able to play fast on the gig. And this is great advice because what we want to do is make sure that the notes are accurate and in our hands and that the ideas are strong first. If the ideas are strong, no matter how fast you try to play it, it's going to sound solid, it's going to sound cohesive, it's going to sound like music. And that's what we're going for here. So practice uh, whatever you're going to attempt to play fast, practice it slow. Please start as slow as you can and, and try to build it up over time. And you know, eventually you're going to get to a, a, a very comfortable place with it that you're going to be able to blaze on it. And then you're going to get, here's what happens. You get on a gig, you got people looking at you, 
you're right. gonna you're gonna pull. I mean, you're either gonna pull it off or you're not. <laughs> right, but, right. but hopefully, you're, that adrenaline's gonna be rushed. You're, the drummer's probably gonna be rushing. Right, right, and you right. Can, and you can you can really you know pick it off. Yeah, well, I, and I think that that will work really well together with the relaxing and breathing. Number one, because you know, even though maybe you've never played at that top tempo, but you've done all the right work to get you close there, then that adrenaline rush and excitement and energy from the band, energy from the audience, all that kind of stuff will actually push you over the edge. And because you're relaxing and breathing and, and have those good habits in you, they'll really work together to push you in a, in a positive way past, the, past, past the, the point you need to be. That's right. Okay, number three. Uh, this is a technique specifically for practicing you know, over tunes and specific things that you want to be able to play fast. And that is to use the metronome when you're practicing and to start very slow, like slower than you even know that you can already do. I don't mean like if you want to be able to do it at 300 beats per minute and you know you can do it at 260, you start at 260. No, go back to like 180 and start there and then practice improvising or practice the melody or whatever it is, um, especially at those slower tempos and gradually raise uh, the metronome up. And you can do that over a number of days, a number of weeks. I mean, really, the longer the time period, the better because it's going to give you a chance as you slowly increase the metronome to work in those really good habits that you want in, t- in order to execute uh, at that, that higher speed. And I'm thinking specifically about like... Uh, maybe heads. I mean, you could do this on improvising, but it's really useful, like for bebop heads. If you're going to play, um, and you want to eventually get to, you should be starting with that metronome going mm, click, mm, click, mm, click, mm, click. Really, I mean, even slower than that, maybe, where you're really listening to the phrasing, because once you play it faster, you want to have as much of that accurate phrasing, the accents, certainly the timing, as you do when you're playing it slower, and you're just not going to have a chance to hear all that. You're going to be, you know, blazing, as you say, blazing through it, and so practicing slow, and then the, the, the gradual increase of the metronome gives you a chance to, you know, in a way, it's like you'll finally be at that target tempo, but you've never, you know, raised it more than two clicks at a time. So it's almost like you just sort of gradually get there, and it's a way to regulate your improvement in terms of time um, as opposed to jumping in, in bigger increments. That's right. And some of those things you just can't get at faster tempos. You just have to start slow. There's no getting around it. Yep. But that takes discipline. So it that's going to be one where it's going to be like, ah, I don't need to do that. I already know how. You no, do need to do you it. You do need to do it. <laughs> we need to do it, so you need to do it. That's right. Uh, number four is to learn and really know the tune that you're playing. So when I talk about know the tune, I mean know the form, know the melody, know the changes backwards and forwards, inside and out. Because here's the thing. The faster the tempo gets, the less time that you have to think about what's going on. And you do not want to get caught up in your brain thinking about like, oh, wait, is this the bridge? No, no, no. You just need to be able to feel it at this point. You know, if you can't feel where the bridge on a rhythm changes is, then you need to slow down the tempo, like that that you're going too fast. So make sure you know the tune that you're about to blaze on uh, backwards and forwards. Uh, top to bottom, you know, n- no doubt about it. Yeah, you, could, you really have to know something that you're going to play fast. you got to know it better than a ballad or something. I mean, look, we want to know a ballad just as well. Right. But in theory, you would have a little bit of time to pause and think about where am I at the form or whatever. So it's even more important, I would say. Absolutely. Cool. Okay, 
Number five, listen to great fast players. Okay, so we always want to be listening to great players, but if you want to be able to play fast, it stands to reason, check out the ones, really study, try to emulate those players that are known for their abilities to play fast. And, I mean, you're going to find that most really good jazz players on different instruments are going to be able to play fast to a certain level, but there's certainly those, I mean, I'm thinking like, you know, Sonny Rollins, and yeah. this is just off the top of my head, Clifford Brown, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Ella Fitzgerald was a great up-tempo improviser. So it's like, you're going to want to hone in on those, you know, Greg Hutchinson certainly, as for drumming always comes to mind, just those, those kind of things. Like, and listen to those players, emulate what they're doing, check out their techniques, and check out how they're applying all these different areas to their craft. Yeah, absolutely. Like Chick Corea, Chris Potter for mm. some more modern players, Peter yep. Martin, you know, guys like this who, who do it at such a high level that it's, you can hear things in their playing that are, are uh, easy to imitate because it's, it's a stylistic thing for them, the, the fast playing. Yep. That gets us to number six, uh, which is technical exercise. This is a exercises, excuse me, this is a crucial part of playing fast because if your chops ain't up to it, it's not going to happen. Uh, the best way I know for pianists is we're so lucky we have this, this tradition of technical exercises going back hundreds and hundreds of years. So there's a wealth of information. You know, grab your classical books, grab, grab your Hannon, grab your Phillips exercises, grab all those technical. Journey. The churning one is yeah. great. Any of the Chopin etudes are, are excellent for this. Um, get, a, get a classical teacher if you're having problems with it. I mean, yeah. that's, this is a, a, good, a good way to, to master your technique is to, to apply the pedagogy from hundreds of years before that was proven to work. Now, and I should just say, let me just interject. You said grab those, those exercise books, and it should be obvious, but grab them and then practice them. Don't just grab them, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't just like, <laughs> hold on to them and then read them and be like, yeah, I could do that. No, yeah. but this is a problem. Like Sometimes we think, oh, I've got the perfect exercise book and then you order it or you go and buy it and you're like ah i'm done right. you know, <laughs> yeah, no yeah. you know like i'm gonna become a marathon runner so i'm gonna get some great shoes and some great satisfying. gear hey yo and listen you know you can get a lot done with just practicing the chromatic scale right as far as technique goes and Absolutely. scale on the piano and probably on any instrument but if you just work on scales on all 12 keys that's going to go a long way to getting your your uh, technique up. It doesn't matter what the technical exercises really are, as long as they're specifically helping you out in the areas that you're weak, yeah. it's gonna work. And for your instrument, that's the thing too. Yeah, like, yeah, I mean, yeah. how many times have we heard the trumpet players? You know, they, like they pick up the trumpet and they play, I don't know if that's Arbins or whatever it is, like these right. different exercises that are specific and you know, technical exercises that address the technical issues on your instrument. I mean, I think the chromatic scale and, and really mastering all these scales for every instrument and vocals, is so important for being able to improvise fast, but you've also got to, I guess we're talking about those things that specifically solve sort of dexterity-related issues to that instrument. Absolutely. Okay, so that brings us to number seven, number seven secret. Now, this one is going to sort of, I think, bookend with our number one, which was relax and breathe, and that is to look at some things away from your instrument, some things that we can do um, I'm thinking along the lines of like meditation, concentration exercises, maybe a little bit of yoga, maybe a little bit of Pilates. I, I just like to say that word Pilates. Pilates, yeah. interesting. I know it involves some gear, and a, <laughs> that's actually all I know about that's, it. That's what I know is that I think it's yoga with gear, right? Right, yeah, yeah. like some kind of wooden gear. But um, I mean, yoga, I've been practicing yoga for a little while now, and I'm, I'm not a yogi. Uh, Maybe more Yogi Berra oh. than anything, but no, but I, I, it's really done some great things just in terms of helping me be aware of my body and with the relaxing and breathing, it's such an integral part of that. But it, it's a little bit of a way for us to, I think, connect some, 
strength, core, athleticism, but in a very relaxed and organic way with the demands of our instrument. And again, every instrument has these sort of different uses of our body, but, but all instruments we use our body. And I mean, the piano, a big challenge we have is it's just, it's a massive, powerful instrument that we have to harness and, and mold to the way we want it to be. But, the, but you know, a, a saxophone is a very smaller, but complex, you know, metal piece of equipment that they have to harness. With, oh, it's with, all in the mouth. Yeah, yeah, with a little bit of wood absolutely. in the mouth. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's, it's a lot of te technical challenges. So, I mean, um, I, I would, ex in, in, you know, encourage you to explore these kind of areas that kind of force you into a thing of thinking about your core, thinking about your breathing. And then, you know, the meditation is, is a little different, but it's, it's, it's focusing you on, on being able to really concentrate on one thing and, and take a lot of things out of your mind, which is so important for oh, being yeah. able to play fast. No, meditation completely changed the way I play the piano. I mean, I meditate before I practice. I meditate before gigs. Sometimes I meditate as I'm practicing or on the gig. And it just really focuses me. I, I stop, you know, I, I don't completely stop, but it helps me to not think about like, oh, I got to pick up the kids or I got to get this to the grocery store or whatever. I can really hone in on the music when I need to. And that's incredibly important as well as it, it, it relieves some anxiety from mm. performance, you know, which is, I, I don't know a single even famous musician who hasn't struggled with at least that a little bit of, of, of performing in front of people and what that could, what that could mean. So, you know, to release that tension and to, to really work on your concentration is a huge part of not just playing fast, but playing music. Great. Well, you'll hear it. That's it for today's episode of the You'll Hear It podcast. For more information or to hear more of these podcasts, go to openstudionetwork.com slash podcast. 